A mix of sun and cloud and minus one in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's nine o'clock. I'm Madeline DeBellis. 30 new variant cases of COVID-19 have been discovered in Alberta, reported yesterday. By far, the B117 variant, that's the one that was first detected in the UK, is the dominant variant strain in the province. The latest COVID-19 numbers from Alberta Health also show the overall number of people in hospital continuing to decline. Currently, there are 262 people in hospital, down slightly from 269 reported the day before. More news in a moment, but first, 770 CHQR helicopter traffic. In the northwest, traffic signal work has the southbound lanes of 14th Street closed at 24th Avenue. Only a single lane is getting through in each direction. On the other side, and police are in the middle of the intersection conducting traffic. I'm seeing light volume through the area right now, and that's what the rest of the city looks like as well. Routes such as Deerbrook, Crowchild, and Glenmore Trails are smooth sailing this morning, running problem-free. Save on Foods has lower the prices on the things you buy most every day, every aisle. Check their flyer on SaveOnFoods.com for amazing deals each week. For the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Tay Houston. Vaccine tourism is in the spotlight with the resignation of the head of Canada Pension Plan Investments after he took a trip to Dubai to get a COVID-19 shot. Experts say there are ethical concerns about the rich and powerful cutting in line for a coveted COVID-19 vaccine. Dr. Carrie Bowman with the University of Toronto's Joint Center for Bioethics says it degrades trust in the healthcare system if vaccines aren't doled out based on who needs them most. It feeds into what a lot of people already know that, that people with privileges and connections are going to find a way through the system. Other bioethics experts say people who can afford these sorts of costly trips tend to be executives who should be leading their organization by example. Jerry Smith, the Canadian Press, Toronto. Ontario has surpassed another COVID-19 milestone today. The total number of cases in the province has passed the 300,000 mark as 1,062 new cases were reported this morning. 20 additional deaths were also reported. Alberta Premier Jason Kenney is condemning alleged vandalism at the office of an opposition legislature member. His denunciation came on Saturday, shortly after Edmonton MLA Janice Irwin posted pictures showing the front window spray-painted with the words Antifa Liar. Kenny issued a social media post Saturday saying that while there are countless ways to register disagreement with a lawmaker, but vandalism is not one of them. He also noted that many other MLA offices have been vandalized in recent months and condemned those responsible. The Premier was criticized for taking days to denounce anti-lockdown demonstrators who marched in Edmonton last weekend, some carrying tiki torches, which opposition leader Rachel Notley said are widely considered symbols of white supremacy and racism in that context. The NDP leader issued a tweet of her own sometime after Kenny's, saying all forms of racism, misogyny and hate should be called out. She was proud to have Irwin on her team. The city of Calgary has released a map showing which streets will see speed limits lowered to 40 kilometers per hour starting May 31st. The map is online on the city of Calgary's website, broken down ward by ward. Most say they support the move. Anything we can do to make the city safer and, and encourage people to drive more considerately for pedestrians and cyclists is fantastic by me. I don't think there's any harm. I mean, if you slow down a little bit and it's safer, if they're noticing that there's people are getting in more accidents because it's faster, then... I don't see the harm in slowing down. It's safer for the kids going to school and all that. I'm, I'm for it. City Council decided to lower residential speed limits at the beginning of the month. 
Taking a look at sports, tonight's Raptors game against the Chicago Bulls has been postponed because of positive COVID-19 tests and contact tracing within the Toronto team. The NBA says the game in Tampa will not be played because the Raptors will not have the minimum eight players available. It marks the first Raptors game to be postponed this year. It's minus one at 9.04. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 9.30. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. And it is the last day of February. Here we are the 28th. And uh, it's going to be warm. We're going to get a few nice days. We're going to see the snow melt. So if you're looking in your yard, you got those uh, empty spots where you don't see any snow up against the house and some of your beds. Underneath your spruce trees, things like that. Um, take some of that snow that's just melting in the middle of the yard, doing nothing, put it around those trees and shrubs. That will uh, ensure it'll just help build up the, the water level in those areas and uh, ensure that in the springtime when it goes to take off with all the new foliage and new growth, that it's going to have ample moisture in the ground, which, which is the most important time. If they go into spring, early spring like this with no moisture in the ground, you don't get the really big, good foliage and that. But if it's if it's full, like if there's good moisture down in the ground and it's ready to go, and uh, you have some food down in there, you've uh, you've amended your soils, you've added some fertilizer. You're you're going to see some really good growth on that uh, on your trees and shrubs and uh, and your grass and and a few other whatever kind of plants. A lot of people talk about like Carl Foresters because we kind of think that they're. They're bulletproof and they, you don't really need to, but they need to be fertilized as well too. They have a lot of growth that they need. So cut them back here coming up. If you haven't, typically you wait till early, early spring. I like to cut them back sort of mid-April when we first get our big melt here. Then I'll cut all the curls down and then add some fertilizer. Ensure that they get good water going into spring so that way they can they can just flourish like crazy. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. That is the talk and text. We already got a text on the line. And uh, what I got here is a gardenia. What does it say here? I have a gardenia tree, though it has many flower buds and lots of leaves, but are turning yellow. Can you help me? Catherine. I'm looking at it, and I just replied to your text. Most of those that I see are going yellow. Are, are A lot of them are the older leaves. So at this time of year, you'll see you're getting lots of new growth, lots of buds, but they need, they'll need they shed some of their older leaves, so that way all the energy goes into new growth. So some of those that are just sort of turning yellow like that, I would just pull them off because it doesn't look like the upper ones, the newer growth ones are doing that. So you're going to see... Um, lots of good new growth as the days are getting longer here. You want to feed it with 30-10-10. Those azaleas, they all, they like that acid-loving. They, they like the 30-10-10. It, it's a great fertilizer for the gardenia. But just ensure that you water it well first before you fertilize. That way you don't burn any of the roots. And uh, you should be good to go. But it's a gorgeous looking. Probably one of my favorite plants. Nice and... and uh, fragrant which on a lot of plants we don't get a lot of fragrance anymore unfortunately i've noticed that they they've sometimes seemed to uh 
bred the the fragrance out of some of them. And I know I've mentioned this a couple times in the past. One of my favorite roses was the sterling silver. We used to grow them from bare root. We'd get them going as a tea rose. But man, when it bloomed, it would be a sort of a blue silver color. Very, very, very beautiful color. But just the fragrance on that rose, I just uh, still have some things in your mind, you know, like some of your mom's cooking and uh, and roses that uh, come into your mind and you, you think about those in the past. And uh, I just find that uh, those are great. And gardenias um, on that ranch I worked at for a long time, we, we used a lot of uh, gardenias. The white was the favorite color in the house for a lot of the flowers. So we would uh, bring in gardenias, so always lots of great smell. So, And here's another quick text, and then I'm going to go to the phone lines. And... Everyone's up early today. It's good. The sun is up. Getting everyone going. Going to be a nice, busy show. All right. My wife has recently decided to spend our retirement fund on a new Calthea, Calathea collection. Do you have any advice so I don't end up buying them twice? Um, with most houseplants, ensuring that it gets proper light and, and then a good pot. Like, put them into a nice clay... Uh, ceramic pot with good drainage, repotting with a, just a good potting soil, and just let them dry in between waterings, not to the point where they're wilting, but let them dry in between watering. So as our days are getting longer here, you're probably you're going to water a little bit more often than you did a month ago. Um, but that's what I find, because when I just, I've transplanted um, a satin potho and then another variegated type potho, and it's been two weeks since I transplanted, and I have not watered again. So it, it, it takes a bit, when you, especially when you add new soil. And if you're using a good quality soil, it's going to hold a bit of water for you. And, uh, and you just got to be careful not to water too often. So, and that is the, one of the biggest things that I find. But um, good light, they, like, they don't like super bright, bright light, but they like a good bright light. So hopefully that helps with the Calathea. Calathea. And uh, and stop in. I know Jen and Chris and Jessica um, in the greenhouse there. They always have great tips for you. And uh, so if you want to just chat with them, felt so good. I, we were joking with a few of the people walking around the garden center yesterday that we're gonna set up an all inclusive uh, tropical resort where people can just wander through. You get a margarita at the at the front of the store, and as you walk through, by the time you follow all the arrows through the end, you should be done. Your margarita and your cart is full, and uh, and then you just pay it when you pay when you leave. So we're, we're thinking about starting that up, but hey, that would be fun. And uh, but it it does, and we get a lot of people that come in just to just to wander around, and it's kind of nice just to get away from everything and just enjoy the sunshine. Enjoy the plant. So if you if you are out and about, uh, hit a garden center just for just for the fun of it too. Just to have a look around and and uh, have a quick walk. And right now at nine twelve, I got a bit of time. I'm going to go to Ryan. We're going to talk some frozen compost. Good morning, Ryan. Yeah. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good. Good. Yourself? Not bad. Uh, two quick questions. So the big one is um, my bin, um, my green bin. In my garage that, of course, everyone wheels out once yep. or twice a week. Um, it's frozen solid, and it's been like that since maybe late fall. And 
and I'm at the point where the garbage guy or girl can't even pick it up and <laughs> take it out. <laughs> um, constantly, constantly building. <laughs> yeah. Um, a couple things you do is on these warm days, try and put it out right in the full sun because those bins will heat up fairly easy. And then just hopefully you can uh, wedge everything out of there once it warms up. It's going to be plus eight today, um, plus nine, plus seven all week. So if you put it out in the sun, leave the lid open. And even if you could tilt it a bit towards the sun, um, that would definitely thaw it out and you should be able to get it out. You might have turned upside down and unfortunately knock it onto your driveway and re-pick it up. But that would be uh, my suggestion if that's what you're looking for. Okay. Um, I also have another question. Um, yep. I got some uh, Monstera plants from you guys okay. last spring and um, I transplanted them in a 10 times 9 pot. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering if I should transplant them again and how you would know if it's overflowing the pot. Yeah, is it, uh, did it, it probably took off on you, I would assume? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like they're cutting everything. Yeah, monsters, yeah. once you transplant them, they, they go crazy, uh. A friend of mine, Brandy, out in BC there, she had planted some that she got from us, and... And I couldn't believe how big they were. I seen them like a few months later and I was just like, holy man, like it just went crazy. So they do. So sometimes with monsters, I would even tend to go almost bigger. Like I'd go up to a 16 inch or a 20 inch pot because okay. they're just, because they become so top heavy. And then if that way, if you want to stick a pole in it to help it crawl up, you can do that. You know, one of those moss poles or things like that. You okay. Can, yeah. And then that way you're set for a few years, right? Right, for sure. And because you'll know that you'll get nice big leaves when it has the right soil. Because I mentioned this last week, I just transplanted mine, and it, it was years. Like, it was two or three, five, actually six years I didn't transplant it. And it wow. was in the same pot, but the leaves just kept getting smaller and smaller. It was just, I dreaded, I didn't think it was going to come out as easy as it did. It was sort of a bullet shape, this tall tapered pot. I thought, oh, this is going to be a pain. So I always procrastinated yeah. it and it was still alive. But when I ended up doing it and my wife had just watered it the week before. So it was actually, I just pulled off the top and it just slid right out. So it was awesome. So, awesome. Uh, but I already see it growing. So Monstera's will respond really well to transplanting. So if you want to give it a bigger pot, Ryan, I, I would, uh, and then maybe set it up with one of those moss poles, and then you're going to be set for a while. Okay, perfect. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks, Ryan. Have, have a good one. one. Bye-bye. All right, if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open. We did have a lemon tree on there earlier, but they must have dropped off. Phone lines are open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. That is the talk and text line. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered, and we're going to be uh, introducing a new division in the next week or two. Um, we're going to be doing, um, we're going to come fertilize your lawn. Everyone loves the Green It Up Lawn Fertilizer, um, so we're going to start offering the service. We're going to do fertilizing of trees and shrubs and your lawn, and we're going to have a mobile service where we you can book it online, and we'll be able to come right to your house and and get you all greened up, <laughs> let's hope. So let's go to the phone line. 
and I'm going to chat with Jen. We're going to see what's going on down there in the greenhouse at Spruce It Up. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, Merle. How you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Isn't Another it nice? Is yes. It, it's nice. Makes all the difference when the sun's out like that, eh? Merle, I brought my shorts today. Did you? I'm not going to lie. I did. Yeah, no. just, just, I'm waiting for all the hot weather, aren't we all? Yeah, no, I, I said to... Uh, I think I, I don't know if I mentioned anybody. March first, typically, a lot of times I I hit my my short season, so I'm uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, I'm on the same page, and uh, it's going to be a good year. And it's it, it's it's which we're quite busy already, and a lot of people are out gardening, so it just feels good. And yeah. so when it feels good, you put shorts on. So put your shorts on. I won't be wearing my Burks like you, but yeah, uh, yeah I'm almost, ready to go. It's almost Burke season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so uh, we were gonna. We get a lot of questions about soil. So I just wanted to chat with you about the different kinds of soils that you have down there for the for the tropical plants and the and the seedlings and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, so some comes in and says, "Hey, I want to start some seeds. What do I? What do I? What do you? What do you set them up with?" Um, to be honest, for most of the stuff, Merle, I can we can use the all the SIU all purpose that we have the spruce it up soil, um, and that's. Depends. I ask people kind of what their habits are with watering, but otherwise we do have the ProMix products for seed starting. Okay. Um, yeah, so we definitely have those, and so people will grab just a small bag of that because that's uh, they usually don't need a whole big bunch. Uh, well, these days, actually, well, <laughs> the amount of seeds going out the door. But you, yeah. And you can reuse the same soil again in a couple times for your seed because once that seed pops out there, you can mix it up again, top it up again a little bit, and For then sure. just and then just re reuse it because typically you you prick them out um, when they come up you pop them out of that seed tray or or whatever you're using and mm-hmm. transplant them at that point so you're able to to reuse your soil. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, you don't use it for a big long time, obviously either. So yeah, we have those guys in. Um, we have the the veggie and herb mix as well. Okay. They they differ in terms of what is inside, in terms of the concentration of the nitrogen and the phosphoric acid, etc. So that's usually where a bit of the differences are okay. between them, and that's why they have different uh, different names. We've got the ProMix All Purpose in the fifty six liter bag, and we've got the SIU All Purpose in the fifty six liter bag, and we've got the the groundskeeper's pride, the composted potting soil, which is a really nice uh, tropical soil as well. Yes, nice. Mm-hmm. And yeah. also, um, I noticed you're doing lots of cactus. So you, you also got the cactus soil. Haven't we been doing lots of cactus? I yes. know. I see you guys with your gloves on and tongs. So yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those cactus are everywhere. We're, um, we're poking ourselves all the time, and it's been awesome watching them go. Um, but yes, we do have the pro mix cactus mix as well, which is really a nice one because it's nice and loose. It drains really well. Um, so that's a fantastic soil. And that usually goes, people People look for it, for sure. Yeah, and I noticed yesterday Jessica was uh, transplanting some cactus, and she likes to, she makes her own little cactus mist. I know we have a, we have a bag of pumice, and then she adds that to our spruce it up mix, and she goes, that's a really good cactus mix as well. So yeah. She likes yeah. she likes to use that one, which is, uh, which is, which is a nice blend. Because uh, with our soil, it is... Like when they, when it is all purpose, but sometimes if you do want to add a little extra drainage and things like that for your succulents and oh, your cactus, yeah. um, the yeah. pumice is a good one. It is, yeah. It's always a good idea. And you know, one of the things that Jess says too on the floor, which I think is 
a really great observation and, and also something with our soil that's really cool because that's what we use in our bins as well because we like it. Jess really likes it because people tend to have a heavy hand with watering. They love to love their plants. Yep. And the really great thing about ours is it just it won't hold on to that for all that time, right? It, it drains really well. It airs out really well. And so people um, are a little safer in terms of root rot with our soil. So that's one of the cool things about ours as yeah, well. Yeah, and that's the thing. you got to be careful. I know with some of the stuff that you, you can get, um, like the miracle Grow and, and stuff like that, um, it's typically a, a little bit lower grade. And then they add these polymers. Um, beads to them to hold mm-hmm. water mm-hmm. and that's why you see so many things on those Facebook groups with fungus gnats like everybody on there almost has fungus gnats Yeah. but if you start with a good soil and, and things like that you're going to get a lot less of those problems because you're yeah. going to have a good aerating soil one that can breathe, good drainage and and people oh, moisture retention, yeah it's a good tagline but it's not great for your plants if it's holding moisture for three weeks and you don't water because then people get bored and they oh, yeah. want to water again right because they, they think hey I got to water <laughs> No it's very very true it makes all the difference and I, I show people too so if you guys, if anybody comes into the garden center and they want to see our soil I usually bring them right over to the bin so they can see for themselves kind of what it's all about Yeah, yeah Yeah Awesome. And then what about orchids? What about our, we have that lovely orchid bark. I love it. You just have to make sure you soak that before you use it. So overnight would be nice and get it all kind of loaded with moisture. And then, yeah, we've got that orchid mix here as well, which is the pro mix. So it's a nice big chunky bark and some perlite in there. Okay. So Mm -hmm. you, and you guys are, you recommend to soak it first. I do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't do that, and I and my 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 thing still did okay. What I did is I just put it in the sink, and I just ran the tap over it for. I sort of kept filling up, filled up like four or five times, so then it just oh, nice. saturated that way. But that's yeah. a good tip to soak it first, and uh, you could even just if you're using the whole bag, you could just fill the bag with water and just let it soak in there or whatever. And- <laughs> You have a lot of orchids. We need some more orchids in here, Merle. They're I'm coming. Just, They're coming. I'm just, just saying, people are asking, so I gotta, I gotta back the people up. Exactly. Absolutely. We got lots coming, so uh, I'll bug Zoe again. Make sure we we got some on order. Awesome. And so, what other types of soil? We got some amendments, I guess. We have some. We have the cocoa moss and then the hemp stuff. Yep. We've got the hemp enricher as well, um, which actually was really popular last year too. So it'll be interesting to see how that flies out the the, the door again. We've got um, the worm castings, which is awesome for nutrition for your plants. And I love I love people still don't know about the worm castings and and uh, kind of what it does and and that we have it. So it's a hot commodity. Um, but people still don't know about it. And that's the nice thing. The next generation. Um and I sort of call them the Instagram uh, plant people, but um, but they're very they love all the technical stuff. They're not just planting it and taking pictures. Like they 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 want to learn about it. Like they're caring oh, sure. and they're yeah. Um, and we had that lady who was in the store yesterday, a younger gal, and she goes, oh, "I listen to you guys on the radio." So we're and and the the demographics of the show is we're very diverse now. We get lots of young people listening, older people. So it, it it's awesome. Like it's uh, it is and awesome. we can all share our share our knowledge with gardening and uh, all that other fun stuff. So cool. Yeah. 
the best part. Thanks, Merle. All right. So any, any other ones you want to just add or do you have any new plants in there you just want to add quickly? You got- yeah, I have. I just want to let anybody who's interested know because it was such a, a big plant that came in and we haven't seen it in a long time, the dark red cordyline, which is uh, it's, it's a beautiful dark pink and, and dark leaved plant. It's in a 10-inch pot and we got two in and there's a lady who came in for something else altogether, the lemon lime uh, philodendron yep. and, uh, and she ended up getting both. Awesome. <laughs> so I have one more of those. Okay. Yeah. Awesome, Jen. Thank you so cool. much. Thanks, Merle. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right. And I got to take a quick break for the news you're listening to. Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. A mix of sun and cloud and plus one in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 930. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Henry de Leon has been the latest victim identified in connection to the COVID-19 outbreak at the Alamel processing plant in Red Deer. A total of three people have now died in connection to the plant. The plant has been closed for 10 days. Yesterday, Alberta reported 415 new cases of COVID-19 and six additional deaths. There are currently 262 people in hospital with 51 in ICUs. And Calgary is changing some residential speed limits from 50 kilometers an hour to 40 beginning at the end of May. The city has released a map on their website indicating which residential areas of the city will see this change. Today's high plus 7 and clearing in the afternoon, low of minus 2 tonight with a few clouds warming up tomorrow, sunny and plus 8. And right now it's plus 1. Breaking news when it happens, our next scheduled news at 10. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Welcome back. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. If you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open. 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. I just had a text asking um, when we were going to do our cannabis segment. We did do it, I think it was two or three weeks ago we had Dwight on. I'll, I'll try and we'll try and do another one coming up. Um, but if you did miss anything on the shows, you can go to our podcast. We are on all the all the major podcasts. You can go to the Apple or Spotify or Sonos or whatever have you. Um, we're available on there. You can just look for Let's Talk Gardening, and you can subscribe, and you'll get sent the show every week right to your phone or wherever you have your your podcast set up. So if you want to listen to that, we are available on on the podcast. So got a couple of texts here I'm going to go through. How do you get rid of aphids on houseplants? We seem to have a lot flying around the house. Um, aphids are, uh, they can be a pain because they're born pregnant and they just, you need to break the cycle. So if you spray them today, you need to spray them in five days and then again in five days and then again in five days. If it's a smaller plant, I'll take them into the sink and I'll use, uh, if you have one of those nozzles on your taps that you can pull it off, sort of like a hose, um, that's great. And sort of just put it on, not full, full pressure, but some decent pressure. Plants are pretty tough. They can take it. And I just hose them off, and then I give them a quick spray in the in the sink, and then do that again every five days and uh, and you'll and you'll try and break that cycle, but that's the hardest part. And I do that with a lot of the plants. Like you'll get mealy bugs and and spider mites. They typically the one shot isn't enough because uh, chances are they have probably had some eggs laid. They're they're 
and they just maybe didn't get everything on the first coverage. So if you're if you're able to do that, and now when we get these warmer days, um, if you're able to uh, wheel your plants outside, put down some newspaper or something like that, um, spray or spray do the spray on it. And you can leave it on. A nice thing with the pure spray green, you don't have to rinse it off. So if you're using the insecticidal soap or some of the other ones, um, they, they do work good. But yeah, you have to make sure you rinse them off because otherwise they clog up the pores on your plant. And uh, and, it, and it's not great for it. And also in the sun, it can burn them because it creates a magnifying glass on your leaf. So if you're using it outside on your on your trees and shrubs like that... Uh, the insecticidal soap or the trout, some of those ones, if you don't rinse them off, it can leave that residual, which could end up burning your plants. So, which you don't want to do, but I'm going to go to the phone line and we're going to chat with Wanda. Good morning, Wanda. Hi there. Hi, how can I help you? Uh, question. I have a dwarf lemon tree and a dwarf orange tree. My lemon tree puts out hundreds of flowers, but no fruit. And my orange tree only puts a few flowers out and no fruit either. Really? What am I doing wrong? Yeah, because yeah. um, I, I have a lemon tree and I get tons of lemons all the time. And even in the house, like right now, I, I just harvested about 13, 14 lemons off it. And I already got four or five new ones. And it takes six to eight months for them to go through the whole cycle of, of when you see them come up on the buds to the point where they get um, to the harvest. And you need to leave them on the on the branch to ripen, but it does take yeah, quite a long time. But you're not getting to no, that point. It, no. Well, actually, I've had them for years, and it's the same thing. Like, the lemon tree puts hundreds of flowers out, and then it's just no fruit. And then when I first bought them, this was years ago, I got uh, one or two lemons and then six oranges. But the last couple of years, I've been getting you, no fruit at okay, all. Okay, and so it's not, are you fertilizing? Like, they like 30, 10, 10? Okay, thirty. I'm having a hard time finding thirty ten ten. Okay. I'm having a hard time finding stuff for citrus fruit here. Yeah, I live so in Nova Scotia. Okay, you live in Nova Scotia. Yes. Oh, nice. Okay, so you should just look for thirty ten ten. It's an evergreen food, so it maybe won't say citrus, but we we recommend it's thirty ten ten. It's our evergreen food. It's the same one I recommended earlier, like for hibiscus, gardenias, some of those the dark foliage plants. They they like the the higher first number. Okay, then I'll look for that. Then Hopefully yeah, and even if you get something luck. close, like twenty eight, like it, this sort of doesn't have to be exactly thirty ten ten. But if you find something close to those, that ratio will make a big difference. Um, lemons like a tall cylinder type pot. Um, I have it in a thirteen inch pot, and I potted it a couple of years ago. But I mixed it with some soil and some sand, thinking that would help. But it's getting too big. I used to put it in the shower, and it's too big and heavy for me to do that now. Yeah, and did you use it. real soil or did you use potting soil? Or I think it was citrus. Something okay, that, that's good. Yeah. Okay, um, I, and you can try to like when the when it blooms, you can get like a Q tip. And just rub it on one and then put it on the other one, like sort of help pollinate it. I put mine outside every summer, which like, from June 1st, like here in Calgary, I put it June 1st until about September 1st. I put mine outside in full sun. And so I get I lots do. of bugs and flies and bees and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so I was doing that. Um, but here I stopped because it's too heavy. And then, like, we still have frost the second week of June. So it's. Okay. I get well, a little if there's a. Yeah, if there's a way you could um, 
um, dolly it out, that would help. Or just try to help with the pollination that way. Like if you can help with some okay. of the pollination with a Q-tip or something like that. And just okay, spread perfect. some of the pollen from one to the other. Um, some will use like a little tiny fine paintbrush as well. Like you just touch it and then go touch the other one. You can get to be a bee. Okay. But perfect. you have to you have Thank to make you. the buzzing sound when you're doing it though, okay? No, Other, no, no. <laughs> otherwise it won't work. You gotta you gotta Oh it'll work fine. Come on now. <laughs> no, no. you gotta be buzzing in your in your living room, okay? All right. Yeah, no, thanks. Have a good day, guys. <laughs> All All right. Right. Thanks, Bye-bye. Wanda. Bye bye. Oh, I thought I'd try. It's nice she's calling in all the way from Nova Scotia. So that's nice that we're uh we're attracting them all across the country here. And if you again, if you'd like to call in, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. That is the talk and text line. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm going to go to the text line. I've got a couple ones I'm just going to go over. Good morning. Can you comment on what type of soil you should use in the greenhouse, whether to use pots or trays? Um, well, for your seeding, depending on what you're doing, um, like tomatoes and things like that, sometimes I like to just seed them into trays and then transplant them into four inch and then into maybe a six inch pot and then into the big into your big pots. Um, if you have areas where you're going to go into the ground, you just want to make sure you, you mend your soil and it's nice and a nice hot spot. Um, and trays, I, I'm assuming that's what you meant, or if you're looking to do raised gardens, and I see that a lot in greenhouses as well. And the type of soil, if, if it's smaller um, and if you're not trying to grow root crops and things like that, I would use like a good potting soil. Um, our spruce it up blend is great. Um, we have the veg and herb one. We have a couple organic ones, but I, w- I, w- I would stick to more of a a bag soil. And but if you're going to try and grow root crops and things like that, they prefer a bit more of a loam mixture as well. So it's sort of three quarters loam, a quarter potting mix. They they don't mind it a little bit heavier, so you could give that a try as well, and uh, and see what works for for that, and hopefully that answered what you were. And I had someone earlier asking about said he had a bunch of lilacs that are thirty years old, but they're only two feet high. They're in a trench. Sounds like to me that they're just buried too deep. So I would pull them out of that trench and try and just plant them at a normal level. And and they should just take off on you. But if they're planted too deep in a trench, they're kind of just drowning, and they probably just don't do that well. Is is kind of what I'm getting from that text. So hopefully that helps. And right now I'm just going to go to Steve. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Merrill. Hey, how are you? good, good. How can I help you? Just a quick question. I've got three little lilac plants. It's funny you just talked about lilacs. They're just outside my front door in a little garden bed about eight feet long. I've also got a pile of landscaping rocks, a golf ball size, that I need to move. If I put those around those lilac plants in that bed, Will that hurt them, or is that okay to do that? That's totally fine. Lilacs don't mind that because they kind of don't. They don't mind like a warmer 
soil. It actually helps with growth, helps blooming, things like that. So and well drained. So that they're more of a fibrous root. Their the roots are on. They don't have the big tap roots or anything like that. So right, right. Um, just ensure you're not moving the lilacs. You're just going to move the rocks to around the lilacs. Correct. Yeah, I just got a pile of that. Those rocks. I need to get rid of someplace. Yep. So just. Put down a good quality landscape fabric. Like, don't use poly plastic or anything like that. Just use a good quality landscape fabric first. Pin oh. that down, and then put your rock on top of that. What happens if I don't use the landscape fabric? Well, you, that's where you tend to get weeds and stuff coming up through the rocks. Okay. So it's a little bit harder, but then you can. I guess it depends if you want to use Roundup or something like that, or pull them. But yeah, if you use the landscape them. fabric, it just covers it. And uh, and this it, it lets moisture through, and it also um, keeps the weeds from coming up through there. So, yeah, okay, sounds like too much work, but I'll give it a try. Okay, yeah, try. It. The only time I like I don't use landscape fabric when I'm using mulch and stuff like the good shredded mulch because I like it to weave itself together and it binds to the soil and creates its own leaf barrier. Because that way, if you ever want to plant something else, too, it's kind of a pain with the fabric. Yeah. Um, but with rocks, if I'm doing rundle or river rock or some kind of round rock like you're talking, I yeah. typically would recommend um, using a landscape fabric. It just saves you a lot of maintenance and uh, and things like that. Right on. Well, that's good advice. Thank you so much, Merrill. All right. Thanks, Steve. Take care, bud. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. And I'm going to go to the phone line. We're going to chat with Krista. Good morning, Krista. Good morning. Uh, we were just wondering when we can start our watermelon seeds. We've always grown them in the uh, greenhouse, but it seems like we're running out of time uh, during the summer months. So we'd like to start them a little <coughs> earlier in the garage with the with the grow light. Yeah, and actually on those, as long as you have the room... Um, for them, because once you get them growing, they do get fairly big, right? They get the vines yeah. going. Mm -hmm. So I would sort of go mid-March. I wouldn't go much okay. earlier. And so where do you grow them outside? Like, do you put them right outside or do you have a greenhouse? Or We have a greenhouse, yeah, okay. and we put them in there. We've had one watermelon over, I think, five years. Do so. you grow them in a trough or do you use a, po no. a big pot or in the no, ground? No, we have them right in the ground. Okay, yeah. so the greenhouse is just covering the ground. Right, yeah. Okay, and it gets lots of sun? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. if you start them, like I said, start them mid-March mm -hmm. and and then and then transplant them a couple times before you get them ready to put them out there. And do you heat right. the greenhouse at all? Uh, if it's cooler, we do put the heat in there. Okay. Yeah. yeah so that's okay. the main thing because yeah. you should be able to put them outside. And the sooner you can get them outside, the better. If that soil's nice and warm. Right. Like this, check the soil. Like if it's sort of above the 10, 15 degrees in the soil, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you're fine to put those out. Okay. And then just watch some of those because any of those vines like watermelon, squash, cucumbers, any of that, they can take no frost, right? So, right, right. So yeah. just be careful on that. And they are a fairly heavy feeder, so you can use like a 15, 30, 15, something with a higher middle number. Oh, okay. To keep okay. them fed, and uh, and that'll help produce blooms and and then the fruit on them. So now, if there's if there's a lot of like those little vines coming off, and they have no flowers, can we cut them off? Absolutely. Yeah. If you get okay. too much stuff like that, yeah, you can just too much growth. Try yeah, and save yeah. like if you get some blooms going. Try and like if you can get four or five fruit. Per, for vine is lots. Okay. And then, then pull the other ones off, and that way you okay. can concentrate. If you try and get too right. many going at one time, you don't get the um, the fruit right. production, too much energy. 
Okay. All right. Well, we'll give it a try again this year. Thank you so much. Yeah, you should try Cantaloupe do well in our area too. So that's another one that's oh, a little well, bit smaller. Um, yeah. It's another good one that I've seen people like the muskmelon have had good success with that. So. Okay. We'll give that one a try too. All right. Thanks, Krista. Okay. Thank you. Have bye-bye. a good one. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. All right. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. Phone lines are open, 403-974-8255. Right now, I'm going to go, we're going to chat with Len. Good morning, Len. Morning, Merle. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. How can I help you? Um, I sent you a picture earlier on of uh, a hydrangea outside my front door sitting in the snow. Wondering, and at last fall, I, I left it completely. I left the blossoms on and Perfect. everything else. Yep. Now, how far below the blossoms do I prune? Um, do you know what type of hydrangea it is? If you gave me a name, is it I would like a Annabelle, or is it a, like a quick fire or a limelight? Like, does it? Yes, have... quick fire limelight. Okay, so those ones I leave them until early spring. Like I can I watch, I wait for them to sprout out, and they'll tell you where to bloom. So, um, if you cut too early, it opens up. If we get a heavy frost again or something, so I just like to leave them. It'll start shooting out little green. Yeah. Um, sprouts just prune just above them, and at that point is where I even them out. So if I get on one branch, if I don't get nothing and it it goes way down lower, I go down and I try and even the plant at that time. So, okay. but I don't do any unnecessary pruning until I start seeing some growth. Okay, I let that tell me. Yeah, I let that tell me where to do it. And then as okay. soon as I start seeing growth, it's sort of out about half inch to an inch. I just cut them at that point. And yeah. uh, and then it's amazing. Like two weeks after, and at that point, I'll start to fertilize. I'll give them a shot of fifteen thirty fifteen, and uh, and let them go crazy like that. So okay, okay, excellent. Because in previous years, what I've done is is I've pruned them off in the fall, and I think I've gone too low, and therefore my plant can't develop a lot of growth above that. And I'd like this to be a little bigger bush. Yeah, than- no, and if you do that, that's why I like to leave it. And it'll tell yeah. you where it dies back. And then you let Mother Nature help you out too. Because if you cut it back in the fall and then any kind of winter kill, that goes deeper again, right? Because you've taken right. away. So that's why I like to leave everything until spring. So that way, if you're going to get two inches of winter kill on the tips, it's going to be on stuff that you would prune off anyways. Um so this way, if, but if you do it in the fall, you end up losing more and more. So, um, yeah, you'll see, you should see a big difference. Perfect. Okay. Thank you for that. All right. And second question, um, when do I start in the house under a grow light, my tomatoes and petunias? Petunias, you can almost start any time and depends how much room you have for tomatoes. Cause they, once they get going and as our days get longer, they, they grow quite quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so do you grow them in the house or into a greenhouse or this is going to be to put outside? 
this is to be put outside into hanging baskets and uh, and some of the pots, the tomatoes. Some will go in pots, some will go on the ground. Yeah, so petunias, um, they take a little bit longer. So you could start them sort of mid-March um, and and do that. They're really tiny seed. So just um, just make sure when you're doing that, you just have your, uh, have your, your tray set up and just... Try not to overseed too much. Like sprinkle yeah. them out, be a little bit sparse. So when they do germinate, you can pull them out and put them into the into your six packs or into your four inch pots or whatever you're going to use at that okay. point. And when they get about two two inches high, just pinch the tops off them on your okay. petunias because yeah. they'll just thicken up like crazy and and start cooling them off like. Um, put them outside during the day and stuff like that. And if there's no frost, you can leave them out on the overnight as um, long as it's above five sort of thing. So Okay. 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 And tomatoes, what would be um, Again, I, I'd probably wait until mid-April because really you can't oh, put them out. Well, because they grow so quick and then the longer the days, um, you can start them now. It depends how big you want to get them, how much room you got. But once they get going, like they grow so fast and if you start them now, they're just going to be so big by the time you get them outside. Sure. I, I Myself, I would wait till sort of mid-April because that still gives you a month. You put them out when they're um, 18 to 20 inches high and then they just go crazy from there. Yeah, okay. So it really depends on, like I said, how much time you have. And you can definitely start them earlier if, if you have enough room and you have big pots and you're able to, like, garden inside the house. But, yeah. But if you're limited, okay. like I would be, I just don't have the room to, to set up a greenhouse in my living room or whatever. And neither do I. Neither yeah. Do I. Yep, so, so, just, so just be a little bit patient. Just hold off on that until, like I said, <laughs> mid-April. And, be a little uh, bit patient. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Grow some herbs or that. something like that. Like you can grow some other stuff inside too, though, right? True, true. Without a doubt, I'll tr- I'll try a few other ones too. But basically, I want to do some waif and uh, petunias. Yeah. And um, and I just thought I'd like to try this year with and try starting them from seed myself. Yeah. So. No, we got a bunch of the seed, and just to just remember, it is really small. Just so you don't waste the seed, just you can get a little um, dabber thing that it's a seed spreader, and just just do it sparingly first. Like don't try and put all the seeds in one little spot because you end up wasting so many. Um, so just just spread them out, and uh, and those you can start anytime. Okay. Alrighty. Okay. I'll do that. Thanks. Appreciate the help. Thank all right. You, thanks, sir. Len. Take care. Bye bye. All right, and I'm going to take a break for the news you're listening to. Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's mainly sunny and plus one in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Alberta could be entering phase two of the COVID-19 reopening plan as soon as tomorrow. The benchmark for hospitalizations for the phase two go-ahead is 450, which the province is well under, sitting at 262 as of yesterday. Restrictions that could be loosened apply to retailers, hotels, banquet halls, community halls, indoor fitness centers and children's activity centers. However, Dr. Dina Hinshaw says the reopening may be impacted because of factors such as the rise in recent test positivity rates. While case counts are down, the R value, which indicates the rate at which an infected person infects others, is steadily rising. The Cabinet Committee on COVID-19 is expected to meet tomorrow to discuss whether or not Phase 2 will get the green light. 
Ontario has surpassed another COVID-19 milestone today. The total number of cases in the province has passed the 300,000 mark as 1,062 new cases were reported this morning. 20 additional deaths were also reported. There are massive ethical problems with traveling abroad to get a COVID-19 vaccine, as the head of the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board admitted to doing before resigning from his post. Bioethicist Carrie Bowman says it's not right to cut in line for a vaccine, especially before the most vulnerable people have had the chance to get one. It also erodes trust in the system. Um, We keep hearing, even though it's making us all crazy, uh, we're all in this together. Um, But, you know, it it, it feeds into what a lot of people already know, that that people with privileges and connections are going to find a way through the system. Bowman says he's surprised anyone would consider it right now, especially given last month's outcry over jet-setting politicians. Alberta Premier Jason Kenney is condemning alleged vandalism at the office of an opposition legislature member. His denunciation came on Saturday, shortly after Edmonton MLA Janice Irwin posted pictures showing the front window spray-painted with the words Antifa Liar. Kenny issued a social media post Saturday saying that while there are countless ways to register disagreement with a lawmaker, but vandalism is not one of them. He also noted that many other MLA offices have been vandalized in recent months and condemned those responsible. The Premier was criticized for taking days to denounce anti-lockdown demonstrators who marched in Edmonton last weekend, some carrying tiki torches, which opposition leader Rachel Notley said are widely considered symbols white supremacy and racism in that context. The NDP leader issued a tweet of her own sometime after Kenny's, saying all forms of racism, misogyny and hate should be called out. She was proud to have Irwin on her team. And Ward Sutherland is officially running for re-election in Ward 1 in October. Sutherland made the announcement yesterday saying he wants people in his ward to vote for him based on his record of work on council. Sutherland told Global News there are some key issues that will be front and centre this October, not just in his ward, but citywide. I think some of the, if you want to call it, uh, ledge issues will be the downtown strategy. Uh, I also think the green line of how it's going to progress, if it's going to progress, uh, will be uh, on a lot of people's minds. Uh, Obviously, taxes and uh, who's going to offer uh, solutions. If re-elected, there will be Ward Sutherland's. This will be Ward Sutherland's third term in office. Sutherland joins Peter Demong, Jeff Davison, Georgia Hall, Diane Colley, Urquhart, and Sean Chu as incumbents running for re-election. Councillors Drew Farrell, Evan Woolley, Shane Keating, and Ray Jones are not running again for various reasons. And Councillor Jeremy Farkas and Jody Gondek are leaving their seats to run for the mayor's chair. There's still no word if Nahed Nenchi will be seeking re-election as mayor. Taking a look at sports, the Flames defeated the Senators 6-3 in yesterday's game. They play again tomorrow at 5. Elsewhere, the Oilers lost to the Leafs. Toronto won 4-0. The two play tomorrow at 8. Global News Sky Tracker weather today's high plus 7 and clearing in the afternoon. Low of minus 2 tonight with a few clouds. Warming up tomorrow, sunny, plus 8. It's plus 1 at 10.05. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 10.30. I'm Madeline DeBellis.
Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. If you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. And I'm going to go to the phone line. I'm going to chat with Ted. Good morning, Ted. Good morning, Mal. How you doing? Hey, not so bad. I'm sitting here in the sunlight. Isn't it feel good? Like I like on those <laughs> early those early spring days, eh? The spring just uh, that sun just hits your face, and it just feels like just medicine. <laughs> you betcha. I think it is too. Absolutely. How can I help you? Okay, I'm messing around here with the planting business, and I and I need some help. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to uh, uh, help along a poinsettia tree. Okay. And Fel told me it likes a cup of tea. It, so. it, it doesn't hurt it. Um, oh. like tea is actually, it's a good, like a lot of people use it to water their plants and things like that. Um, it's one of those things, I'm not too sure what it does for it. It, it just, it won't kill it. So. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's the important thing. Yeah. So and like they said, there's, there's another guy who does a radio show. He's out of Seattle. And uh, I think it's Cisco is his name, but he he used to recommend Coca Cola on everything, right? He'd spray all his plants with Coca Cola. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It didn't kill it, but and I'm not sure what it did for it though. It seemed to kill some of the bugs and things like that. He would use it as a pesticide. So, um, yeah. So there's he all kinds of yeah. There's all kinds of different things. A poinsettia is like a cactus, like lots of sun. Yeah. Um, is this one from this past Christmas, or is, or is this one you've had for a while? No, it's the last Christmas one. Uh, just this. It's just uh, like uh, three months old. Oh, okay. It belonged to my wife, and uh, she's not with me anymore, so... Uh, we want to keep it going. I want to keep it going, yeah. Yeah, so what you'd want to do is you want to transplant it probably into a, another pot. Yeah. And, and then find the sunniest, warmest spot you have for it. Okay. And then and then you just want to treat it like a house plant, really. Like you just you'll water it every couple of weeks and and when you get closer to Christmas, if you if you do want to do the get it to change color again, you'll need to do and this is starting in October ish. Um yeah. you have to put it in the closet for twelve hours, total darkness, and then out in the sun for twelve. And and then it's dark and then sun. Like it needs that uh twelve and twelve. 12 light, okay. 12 dark. And that's sort of starting in, in October. And then you'll start seeing it change. And once you start seeing it change, you can just bring it out and, and then leave it out all the time. Okay. But the important thing is just treat it, and it's like a cactus, so it doesn't need a ton of water. Um, you can water it really good the first time after you transplant it. But then after that, you can let it run a little bit drier and then just, just water in between when it dry out and then water it, fertilize once a month. 153015 and 15:30:15 Yeah, you want something with a little bit higher middle number. Okay. All right. Okay, got it. Yeah, and just that don't do, don't number. do too much with it. Like this they 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 don't mind being a bit abused, right? Like they're they're from like they're you'll see them if you're ever down in Mexico and stuff, you'll see them a lot of times in people's front yards. Um yeah. they'll be used as a bush or a tree. Um so and you can, if it starts getting too tall on you, don't be afraid just to pinch it back. Um, okay. But yeah, just just treat it like a nice house plant and and let it do its thing because they're they're actually quite nice as a as a plant itself. So. Yeah. All right. It is. Yeah. 
Thanks, Mel. All right. Thank you so much, Ted. Take Bye. care, bud. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah. All right, and I'm going to go to, but actually I'll just mention one more time. Phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. If you'd like to get on the call, I'm just going to go to the text. I have quite a few texts right now. I got one from Nicole, and uh, she sent in, uh, looks like a pot full of aloe vera. Um, To me, it looks like it might not be getting enough sun, and it looks a little bit too wet. Um, and some of them look like they may be planted a little bit deep. So, and I would ensure that that pot has some drainage. It doesn't look like it has drainage to me, but I could be wrong just from the picture because I don't see a tray underneath or anything. So if anything, if you can turn that pot upside down, if it doesn't have any drain holes, I would put a few holes in it, drill a couple holes in the bottom of it and let it drain out. And then any of those leaves on it that are kind of yellowy, smaggy looking, just pull those off because the, the plant is, is sending out lots of new growth, um, but it's using all a lot of its energy trying to save a bunch of those old ones. So, um, and just mix the top of that soil up so it'll, for, so it can drain out, dry out a bit because it looks a little bit, just a little bit wet. So I would put some drain holes, use a, a chopstick or a fork or something like that. Um, just do a bit of cultivating on the top, pull off those dead branches on the aloe and, uh, and then it should be fine from there. Put it in a nice sunny spot and hopefully that will help you out. And I'm going to do one more. Here we are. Um, what is this? What is this? What is this? Oh, someone has a, a juniper inside the house. And it's, but there's no question. It just says, uh, just just the picture of the juniper. So it looks like it's doing good. Um, just wait till early spring. You can start putting it outside, climatizing it, getting it ready to put outside if that's what you're wondering. And I'm going to go to the phone lines. I'm going to chat with D. Good morning, D. I got to control my own phone lines now. I forgot. I, <laughs> I was used to used to Gord looking after me, but I'm in the I'm in. I haven't been in the studio for four months because I was. Uh, but my internet went down at my house, so uh, I get to come back to the studio, which was kind of nice. Actually, it's kind of nice doing it here. But uh, I forget that I have to do the phone lines myself. So, <laughs> hi, D. Hi. Hello, Merle. Hi. I have a backyard that faces south and east, okay. and I have a hill that slopes down to the back lane. Okay. And against the back lane fence, I have a mammoth fir tree okay. that blocks all the sun that comes in that backyard. Okay. So I want recommendations on a tree that would grow sort of halfway down the hill, sort of by a garage. Okay. And are you, are you looking for some color, like an evergreen tree, or more of a, you want something that's deciduous with leaves? Like something's I want cut. something that's wider at the top because I want the top to sort of be a privacy screen for across the lane in the back. Okay. But I want something fairly quick growing because uh, it's only going to be for about... 10, 15 years for me. So Okay. Um, you can definitely do any, like the laurel leaf willow is a really good one that grows really quite fast. What kind of willow? Laurel leaf. Laurel leaf. Yeah. Okay. Um, Prairie Cascade is another one. It's one that actually looks like the weeping ones in BC. Oh, all right. Yeah, so, but it's just harder to find one that's a little bit bigger to start with. Yeah. Um, another nice one would be we could put a really nice Brandon Elm in there for you, nice elm trees because they're big, wide vase at the top. 
okay. And they're pretty readily available where I can get a big one for you to start with. Yeah, because I want to start with a with a caliper, yes. Yeah, so those ones we would have in stock for you, and we'd be able to get a nice big one into your yard for you. Oh, um, that would be great. Okay, so do you you have those three? Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll definitely, we will have, um, okay. once we get into May, like a lot of the stuff's still in the nursery and things like that, um, and then we start digging once the ground thaws, and then we will have them into the into the tree lot sale part. We grow them in the nursery, and then we bring them into the, into the spruce it up tree lot as we sell them. Okay, so if I were to come out in May. Yeah, we, yeah, we definitely have lots, and uh and uh, we, we'd definitely be able to set up a delivery and install for you as well. Perfect. Okay, well, thank you very much for those. You're very, very welcome. All right, we'll be seeing you in May. Sounds great, Dee. Take okay. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And, again, if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. I'm going to go back to the text line. And what do we got here? It says beefsteak tomatoes, some most beautiful tall green water fertilized, and some of them turned, um, yeah, it kind of looks like you got that fungus in them. And unfortunately, when they get that, it's it just, you almost have to, I would just throw away the plant and the soil for the most part. And I, and I try to start over. Actually, no, here's a different one, different picture for something else. Ah, this one is a pruning of a hydrangea as well. Um, This one is an Annabelle. So this is one that dies back to the ground every year. So I would just cut that right off, go right down to the ground, and and it will come up from the bottom. So if you have a hydrangea that is like Annabelle, those ones, they go down to the ground. And the other ones that are more of a hard, sort of a thicker stem, thicker wood, um, like the quick fires, the limelights, things like that, you leave them and you wait till early spring to prune them and go from there. And I'm going to go to another text here. My beautiful Clivia bloomed every March for 10 years, but did not bloom last year. No sign of a blossom yet. 1532 15, weeks ago. Shall I keep? Yes, I would keep fertilizing. Um, ours at the store, we had them, and they actually bloomed twice. One is to start to bloom again, and it, yours looks really, really healthy. I would definitely, like, it needs a bit more, like, be a little bit patient if you just gave it two weeks ago. I would give it another shot every couple of weeks with the 15, 30, 15, and, uh, and you should see something. And then after it blooms this time, I would probably recommend ready to transplant that. Um, it looks like you have it in a fair... Actually, no, it's a pretty big pot. I didn't notice how deep it went. Um, it should be okay. But just, just give it the 15, 30, 15. Be a little bit patient. Give it a couple more weeks. And you should start seeing a bud. Make sure it's getting lots of sun. And, uh, and that will make all the difference for you. And I'm going to go to another one. Morning, can you please discuss inoculants and how do you think we should use them? Um, first of all, if you're able to get them, uh, most of the time we haven't been able to get any inoculants. There haven't been any available. And typically what you would do it, um, use them for, it would help um, sort of a nitrogen thing to help get the seeds or your beans and legumes, um, peas, stuff like that going a little bit quicker. And you'd use it, 
you just sort of like a shake and bake. You sort of put it in, rub them around the seed, and then before you plant them. But we're finding that, and I had Diane on here, uh, the sweet pea lady from down south. Um, she doesn't recommend it. And we're finding that with a lot of the seed nowadays, it, it isn't really making a difference um, a whole lot. We do have a product called Seedling and seed starter and that it does help for sure it helps build the tissue wall up when they just to get going and it adds the right uh, nutrients into the ground to get them going so you can try that as well it's a product by evolve which is a the guys who makes the rage plus and his is an all organic line so you can try that for sure and if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. I am going to go to a quick text, and then I'm going to go to the phone lines. Uh, Sorry, sorry, didn't pick up voice to text. Sorry, I moved into a house... Yeah, I think that's the one I already answered. I'm just going to go to Don on the phone line. Good morning, Don. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. How can I help you? Yeah, okay. I'm not a technical person with related to trees and shrubs and that kind of stuff, but I've always wondered, uh, you know, like lilac bushes and stuff like that, when do you cut the suckers that keep coming up around them? Is there a better time for them to do it or... Um, what, what do you do? Well, typically, um, those type of plants are are kind of almost meant to sucker, though, right? Like, that's sort of what they do, right? They sort of create, they just spread out that way. Yeah. People just don't like it because it, uh, they plant them possibly in the wrong spot, and you, and you get a bunch of suckering. There is varieties that don't sucker as much, like the Velocia lilac that won't sucker like the common lilac. Right. And then a lot of the tree lilacs um, won't sucker either. Um, but typically, when you're seeing trees plant or trees suckering, most of them they're just planted incorrectly, either too deep or too too shallow. Um, okay. So, so th- those are a few of the reasons why you're not getting enough water. Like they're so they're they're shooting up, trying to look for water, things like that. Okay, so but, I got a lone tree that's. Uh... It's an old timer, probably as old as me there. So I should probably let those suckers grow, right? Because I I think the tree is kind of telling me that it's it's ready to disappear one of these days. Is it a? And that's an old lilac. Yeah. Yeah. And every so often with lilacs, if you end up with a lot of deadwood in the middle of them, I just cut them right down to the ground. Like I'll take that whole lilac like right down to four to six inches high. And then all that energy goes into all brand new growth, and you'll be amazed at what it does. So if you if you trimmed it and trimmed it trimmed it over years and years and years, and if you kind of look in there and there's all kinds of deadwood, that's when it's time. It's called rejuvenation. So I do that with lilacs, um, a lot of the nine bark hedging, catoni asters, spireas, 
like a lot of the shrubs, potentillas, sort of when they get old and raggy a bit. Yeah. Um, you just cut them back, and it's just called rejuvenation. Sometimes I wish my knees I could do that, just chop them off and start fresh. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> but that isn't, they haven't figured that one out yet. So, um, but f- with, so with your plants, you can do that. And it just, because if you leave all that deadwood, and I mentioned this a lot, it just, the plant uses all its energy trying to revive that old wood. So when you take it right down to the ground and then just make sure you fertilize, something like that. Again, I'd use a 15-30-15, ensure it gets a good deep watering a few times, sort of every week, and you'll be amazed at what that'll do. Okay, well, that's good. Good news. Thank uh, you. All right. Thanks, Don. Okay, bye. Take care, bud. Bye-bye. All right, I think I got time for one more. Let's go to the phone line. We're going to go to Brian. Good morning, Brian. Merle, how are you? Good, good. How you doing? Well, I kind of caught myself in my own trap when I asked you to tell Reva to calm down on when I need to start tomato seed. <laughs> um, so, you know those hot peppers that we got from Dwight? Yeah. Yep. And I've got some habaneros and stuff. Is it okay to start those now, or am I still going to wait till mid-March? No, on those ones you can start any time. Cause you get enough room where you can you where you can spread them out, and you got a couple areas where you where you can grow them. Yeah. Um. And they do take a little bit longer than the tomatoes. So, I uh, um. So I like to those ones. You could definitely start earlier. But and, and but like I said, tomatoes once they get going, and as the days get longer, they yeah. just grow so fast. Um. That. Um, sometimes if you leave them in the house too long, if you're not able to put them outside or if into a greenhouse, they just kind of get long and leggy on you and they don't do well. So you're just better off waiting anyway. So what you're saying is I've got three more Sundays before I have to do that, right? Well, Absolutely. Beautiful. All right. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. Take care, Brian. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And I'm going to do a couple texts and then I'm going to go to Patricia on the phone lines. And if you'd like to join me, 403-974-8255. And uh, we definitely have a couple spots open for you. I'm going to do a couple texts here. And um, if, you, if you didn't hear my first one, this is the one. I moved into a house last year. It has lilacs that are 30 years old but only two feet high. They're in a trench. So my thought on that is that when something's big, it seems like they're just planted too deep in a trench. So I would try and lift all those up and put them more on a bit of a berm or, or put them right to ground level. And then you should see a, a big difference in, in the growth on them. Because some that's only two feet high, that just tells me that they're just, um, they're just stunted from planted too deep. And I'm stunted for talking. I better take another break for the news you're listening to. Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Mainly sunny and two degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 1030. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Alberta could be entering phase two of the COVID-19 reopening plan as soon as tomorrow. The benchmark for hospitalizations for the phase two go-ahead is 450, which the province is well under, sitting at 262 as of yesterday. The Cabinet Committee on COVID-19 is expected to meet tomorrow to discuss whether or not phase two will get the green light. Yesterday, Alberta reported 415 new cases of COVID-19 and six additional deaths. There are currently 262 people in hospital with 51 in ICU. And Calgary is changing some residential speed limits from 50 kilometers an hour to 40 beginning at the end of May. The city has released a map on their website indicating which residential areas of the city will see this change.
Today's high plus seven with sunny conditions in the afternoon, low of minus two tonight with a few clouds warming up tomorrow, sunny plus eight. It's two degrees. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news at 11. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. Phone lines are wide open. 403-974-8255. you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open. I'm going to go to Patricia. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning. How can I help you? I have a, um old bungalow, and okay. along with that is a driveway, and the driveway has cinder blocks on either side. Yep. So it's depressed about, what, eight inches or more? Okay. And I'd like to put grass over that, get like get rid of the, the driveway. Okay. Now, now the driveway has old um, gravel, like it's not asphalt or anything. Okay. So I'm wondering if I have to get rid of that old gravel and then put no, whatever dirt across. We the should top? be fine. Long as if you if you're thinking you have at least eight inches deep, that's going to be lots of loam. We can just put loam right over top of that. So I buy loam. Yeah, just straight loam. Yep, mm-hmm. just straight garden loam, and uh, just ask for screened loam. Don't get make sure you don't get the virgin loam because then it'll have rocks and all that other nasty stuff in it. So screened just get loam. screened okay. loam, um, mm-hmm. level it out, and just make sure you have it sloped away from the house and away from the yard, so you're so you have the drainage going out the right way. Okay. And then you can lay sod right on top of that, or or you could lay or you could do seed. But I, if 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 it's in the budget, I just recommend doing sod because then you'll be you'll be mowing in a couple of weeks and you're you're good to go. Okay. So the other question is along the one side, um, we'd like to put lilac, mock orange, lilac, and mock orange. Um, how deep does that does that root ball have to be? Does it have to go into that? That gravel, that old gravel um, too. Well, Depending on the size that you're starting with, but both those shrubs are fairly big, right? Like you know, like once they get going, mm-hmm. and they and they both only bloom in the summer. That's true. Early, yeah. early, like sort of early summer. Then they're once they're done, there there's no no other color on them. Just so you yeah. know, like they like a mock orange gets sort of eight to ten feet high, similar to a lilac. That's what we wanted. Okay, yeah, we wanted just, a, a divider there. Okay, perfect. Um, so, just want um, to make sure you're you're aware of that before you you plant those and you see in about four <laughs> or five years. Ah! <laughs> I know. Um, so do I have to auger down into the to the gravel? Yeah, it depends. Like I said, it depends on the size of the pot. If you're if mm-hmm. you're if you're planting like a five gallon pot, they're they're twenty inches sort of deep. So yeah, auger is the best way. Um, just okay. just auger it right in there and then. And if the loam's on top, you'll get a bit of loam down there as well, which won't hurt. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, then. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, just space them. I'm just trying to think how far apart I would go. I think I'd go six feet, something like that. Yeah, I think think we should be able to get four in there by six feet. That's what she would like. Okay. Perfect. All right, thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, and I'm going to go. Where am I for time? i got a bit of time before I go. Um... Oh, and I will try to send someone who's just asking. I'm new with podcasts. Can you send me where to go? I will see if I can find a link on here, and I will send that to you over the text here. I'll copy and paste it on the computer, and I should be able to find that for you. Hey, Gord, is that person on the phone line? Is that oh, is that someone I can take, or is that? And I'm just going to go to another quick text here. Good morning. Do you have any thought on growing lotus? 
we change the water monthly after the snails take over. Um, I'm not too sure, and I don't really have any thoughts on it. Let me look into that a little bit, and I'll try to answer that for you. Um, and I'm not too sure exactly on, on that one. So you stumped me, so good job. <laughs> Hi, Merle. I have aphids too. They are on my African violets. I brought in an amaryllis and the new potting soil that I used for it as well as transplanted my violets using the same soil package. I only water my violets from the bottom, so I don't think I can run water on them, sorry to say, can, or can, what else can I do? Um, very rarely see aphids on... on uh, on African violets. So I'm just wondering to make sure that they're aphids, are they the little green ones or are they the little flies that fly around? And if you can just send me a quick picture, if they're the flies that fly around, that is the um, fungus gnat. So I'm th- I'm thinking that might be it if it's in the soil. Um, they're the little black flies that fly around. Some people call them aphids, but they're fungus gnats. And we have a product. It's a mosquito dunk that we have at the store. And you make a tea and you water it into the soil like a soil drench. And it'll kill those uh, nasty fungus gnats. So just if you can take another quick look at that. Because typically I don't see many aphids. And like you said, you can't really spray the leaves on your on your African violet. It ends up causing more grief. So... Um, and little spots on there. And I'm going to go, where are we at for time? Got a bit of time. I'm going to read two more texts, and then I'm going to the phone lines right after the break. Good morning, Merle. Planting a little orchard this year. Couple pear trees, couple plums, apples, crab apples, and Evan's cherry. Is there a type of mulch that is better than another? Yeah, I would I would really try to get make sure you have good soil, first of all, um, and the big yellow bags, or we have our greened up, soil enhancer in bulk as well um i would i would ensure that i have a good rich soil and just make sure you don't use any mulch like free from from our arborist team or any other arborist if you put that raw mulch on there it will um pull the nitrogen out of your soil so you want to use like a foothills premium the stuff that we sell in our bulk bins and, and then you can use that on your trees and shrubs there to hold the moisture in. So just Foothills Premium, you want to go three to four inches deep. Just watch, you know, go too deep around the trunk. Pull it away from the trunk a bit. Um, that way you're not uh, causing any issues. And then the mice and things like that uh, can get in on that as well. So other than that, you should be good. And uh, I'd like to keep me posted on that. I'm, I'm curious. There's so many great fruit trees right now and, and pears. I planted a couple pears, and I did an espalier plum. I did two of them on to, hooked onto my deck. Um, I had our carpenter. He built me. We built the deck, and then I added a couple copper pipes across, and I did an espalier with plums, so I'm curious to see. Hopefully, they survive the winter, and then I'm going to be able to see what they do this spring. But uh, give that a try, and you should be good to go. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm going to go to the phone lines, and I'm going to go to Irene. Good morning, Irene. Good morning. Uh, We had a mole problem in our garden, and it really went for the root crops, particularly potatoes. So this summer, 
um, just in case we get another one in here, they seem to be invading our area. We're going into container gardening, and we're thinking of trying those potato bags. Okay. What do you think of them? Um, they're okay if you don't have the room. Like, but if you're expecting like large production, I, I, you're probably like we have these plastic pots where one sits inside the other, and you can pull the pot out and you can harvest the pot and put it back in, and it keeps growing. Mm-hmm. Um, some people say, I, and I haven't tried them, but I've I found with people who grow bags of potatoes you typically you're not getting like huge production like you'll you'll get four or five potatoes per bag or something oh, like that that's, that's not very good <laughs> yeah so it depends on the size of the bag and and things like that um these pots seem to be pretty good because they they sit inside each other and then they have part of they have squares cut out of the one that sits inside the other one so when they're growing, they sit inside each other, and then you can just pull the one out of the middle, and then you can pull the potatoes out of the bottom and then stick it back in the pot, and it keeps growing. Mm, I'd have to see. Yeah, we yeah, got them in the store. Um, they're sort of right by the front till if you want to have a look at those. Right. Um, we do have some potato bags as well, but I'll be honest, they, um, potatoes, they do better if you have a spot in the ground, and I would try to deal with yeah. that that the the vole or moles whatever you have going They're there um, do you have grass nearby or we do yeah so just try and keep your grass a little shorter too because um, they with the grass gets a little bit longer they find they tend to like that and they kind of go through there so if you keep it mowed a little bit more often it, they tend to stay away because they don't like the blades going by their heads right well this one stayed in the garden okay um, we do My have vole traps as uh, well he tried it um, it didn't work but he finally he spent at least a month digging digging trenches and and had contained it in just one area, and he doesn't. And then he tried the um, the uh, smoke bombs. Yeah, the giant destroyer. Right, and then uh, after that, there was nothing, and we don't know if I was going to say those work usually really good. Um, okay. Um, we've had. <laughs> And, I, and I'm not big on trying to do those kind of things, but sometimes you just got to do that. We had so many gophers at the store um, a few years ago, and they were just coming in through the store. They were in the bird seed. Like, they were everywhere, right? So I just had to do something. Um, so we just smoked on them in the tree lot, and it got rid of them, and we haven't had one for a few years now. Wait, did you try a particular brand? We, we, we have the ones that, that we sell at the store. It's called Giant Destroyer. Okay. And it looks like a mini stick of dynamite. You right. sort of expose the hole, put it down the hole, and you put something wet over top, like a wet burlap sack or a towel or something, and then that just keeps all the smoke down below. Oh, we and, never did that. Yeah, and then it goes down through the tunnels. Right, Those right. were the best for that kind of thing, and it's um, and the best time is early spring, sort of when they're just... Um, yeah. Right. You see what happened um, now that you mentioned it. We saw the smoke coming up. So I don't know. We could. We never did find the body. But oh, no, you won't. Typically, they're away. down. Yeah, or that, or they're just down in the ground. So right. Okay. Which is we're, easier, we're, and you hope that's what happens because then it just does its thing. And yes. And uh, <laughs> okay. All right. And actually, yeah. And I have actually someone else. I don't know if he has a. A solution, or if he has the same type of problem, if Peter um, is calling as well. So I'll chat with him. So keep listening okay, to see what we have to say with Peter as well. Okay, thank you so much. All right, thank okay, you. Bye bye.
Um, where are we at for time? I got a bit of time left before the break. I'm going to go to Dan. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing great. How can I help you? I have uh, a Raspberry Patch that I pa- I uh, this is probably a real simple problem for you, but I I had a planter and I put them in there thinking there's lots of sun and they were going to grow great and they never did anything for about five years and then I had another spot along my garage where I had pretty good dirt I thought and so I transplanted them all and put them in there and then they grew like crazy you know like they got to be about three or yeah. Four feet high, and then it just started to bud and everything. Towards the end of the season, we started to get raspberries, and then the frost came, and and of course my harvest was not that great. So I was wondering, like at the beginning of the season, do you, me and my wife, debate about this. Do you knock them all down to the ground, like no. cut them off to the bottom, and no. So what you do is you you have a look at the the patch of raspberries that you have, and you look for wood. You'll see a sort of a brown and then a gray wood. So okay. the, the gray is the two-year-old wood. So you try and get in and cut out as much of that as you can. So you'll just need some long gloves because you're, you're dealing with nasty raspberries, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or some long uh, loppers that you can get in there, and but you still got to pull them out. So a good set of gloves. Um, okay. And then you cut out all the gray. So that's sort of the two-year-old wood. So and if you leave the wood that looks newer, you're going to get that's where you're going to get your berries and stuff like that on this year. So if you keep doing that... And and they're fairly heavy feeders, so ensure that they're not competing with weeds where they're at, and then just either feed them with a, like a water soluble fifteen thirty fifteen something like that, and so just water them really well, like with a soaker hose, and put mulch on them too, like if you have some bark mulch, um, like the Foothills Premium bark mulch, um, put that around them. That holds the moisture in and keeps the weeds down around them. And right. then just water them really good, then then fertilize them sort of every couple of weeks with fifteen thirty fifteen, and you should see a, a bountiful crop of raspberries. Oh well, that's great. So yeah, like I was always old school gardener that I talked to once in a while. She says that walk over them and knock them all down to the ground. So that's not the way to do it. Then. No, um, and 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 I guess it depends maybe what kind of varieties, but for the most part, no, you cut out last year's or two-year-old wood and you leave last year so that way it's gonna it's gonna produce fruit on that for you oh perfect thank you very much for your time sir all right let me know how that goes and uh maybe bring some raspberries by (laughs) yeah i hope so all right thanks dad take care bye bye all right i'm gonna take a quick break and then i'll hit the phone lines after that you're listening to let's talk gardening on 770 chqr Uh, welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm just uh, had a good laugh, Gordy from Airdrie. Should I put cream and sugar in the tea for my plants? Absolutely, they they love that. But <laughs> the calcium for the tomatoes, maybe give that a try. <laughs> I love the humor; it's the good part of the day. Let's go to Sylvia. Good morning, Sylvia. Hi. Hi there. How can I help you? Well, spring is coming, and I have to face the Canterbury bills in the lawn. <laughs> ah, yes. And uh, actually, they're also coming into the fence from the neighbors. I have a very large raspberry patch, and it's starting to come there. Is there anything I can drop on each plant individually without harming the raspberries? And how do I get rid of it in the lawn? Um, in the lawn, a couple ways of doing it is 
is um, using our lawn fertilizer will help um, if you switch to the Green It Up lawn fertilizer. If you haven't used it, it should help because it chokes out weeds without spraying things. So the idea of the of the fertilizer that we created, it has a high middle number. And with the high middle number is for the roots. So um, most of the lawn fertilizers that you buy at the box stores and stuff like that, it's all 3204. So it, they don't, and they're, they're made for Vancouver and Toronto where we have heavier population than we do, but they don't need phosphate in their soil um, for the roots. We do, we have no, like ours is that heavy clay, heavy clay loam. So the deeper we can get our roots, you get nice thick grass and Kentucky bluegrass is what typically we grow around here and it's very invasive. So if we get a nice healthy bluegrass going, the Kentucky blue, um, on our lawns, it'll take over a lot of the weeds, so you choke them out. It will and, choke the Canterbury bell out? Absolutely, and it'll help. And then just using Killex. Um, Killex, okay. Yeah, and that's the 2,4-D. And just spot spray, like don't, and just go around to spot spray each one. You might have to do it two or three times because they are a nasty little plant that seemed to like it. We used to have a product called Clover Thistle and... Uh, I can't remember what the other one was, but we can't get it anymore. It used to be really good. Um, so you can just, just try that. But with the Green It Up, it really helps choke out a lot of weeds. Like last year, and on my grass, I'm, I think I had one or two dandelions the whole season. Really? It just, because it chokes it out and you don't need to use any herbicides, which is nice. Right. And what, what do I do with them coming up in the raspberry patch? Because uh, the roots might be intertwining with the plants. Yeah. On those ones, it might be a bit of pulling. Or if you get a tube, like a, like a, uh, like a piece of pipe that's mm-hmm. three or four inches wide, and just cut it about six inches long and put it over top of the oh. belt and then just spray down it. But do them when they're young. So that way, they're, when they're younger, they're weaker and, and the herbicide will work better on it. Great. That's a good idea. And uh, is there a service that would do the lawn that I can rely on? Yes. Oh, you mean for mowing or fertilizing? Uh, to get rid of the yeah, lawn. We're, we're, we're going to be setting up a fertilizer. It's going to be called Green It Up Tree and Lawn. Okay. And we're going to be fertilizing lawn and trees and shrubs in Calgary. So you can just, um, we should have that set up within the next two weeks where you can sign up and uh, and then we'll get you looked after. Okay. Now I'm fairly new to this program. Where is your store location? We're Please. on McLeod Trail in 210th Ave. So we're just, if you go down McLeod Trail, we're at the far south end of Calgary. And we have a new interchange. You just have to watch for the signs. We have a new access road, which is actually quite nice. Um, it's on the right-hand side. You'll see big orange signs that say spruce it up this way. And if you go, that'll take you onto the new 210. We got a brand new road, and we got a brand new access road that the city built us. So, Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have your multipliers in as yet? Um, not quite yet. They should be in, I think, in the next week or so. Great. All righty. Okay, what are your hours or your days? Nine to six, seven days a week. Five to six. Nine Thank to six. You. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Thank you very much. All right. Appreciate Thank it. you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Let's go to Kathy. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. How can I help you? Good. I have uh, lavender seeds, English lavender, and I have tried buying, um, transplanting lavender into my yard, and I was wondering, is there a variety that is a perennial that you can recommend? Yeah, I, there is, and we just chatted a ton about it, and I think Did you it's... Did 
I miss it? No, it was it was when I was in Vancouver last week because we were we were talking with our grower. And we we're saying that what the different varieties, I think you want the Spanish lavender is the one that's hardy for our area. Um, if you, if you, if you do come to the store, I know we have it. Um, just check with us. And if I think of it, I'll say it next week. I'll get the proper name. Um, cause I just, I'm just drawing a blank I'm, because I know there's the English and then I think the Spanish and I'm, I'll be honest. I'm. I'm drawing a blank right now. My mind is... Yeah, I've gone through a few of them, and I, I thought I'd try a seed, and I noticed on um, the fine print here, it's not going to bloom this year. Yeah, and the one is actually quite hardy here. So there is a couple of varieties that we have, and I know um, Zoe, who does all our buying for the plant material and stuff in the, in the perennial section, she has a lot coming in because we've had a lot of people wanting to grow the lavender this year, the hardy stuff. So I know she has quite a bit coming in, so... Okay, I look right. forward to finding out. Thanks, Kathy. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sorry about that. Bye-bye. All right, I might be able to have this one real quick. I'm going to go to Peter, last call of the day. Good morning, Peter. Yes, good morning, Merle. How can I help you? Um, Vols. Yes. With a V. Yes. Um, found out something years ago that just works like a charm, except it's, it's preventative maintenance rather than going ahead and um, finding out in the spring when the snow melts, you've got a lawn that looks yes. like a roadmap of London. Um, the easiest thing is after the first snowfall, the good first snowfall, you get the first couple of centimeters, don't worry about it. Yeah. When you get that first dump, just tromp around in your yard. Okay. Pack if it you, down. If you just tromp around, you'll get nothing coming there. They okay. can't, they won't, they won't come in. They're fearful of getting stomped or they don't have the gap yeah. in the snow. Yeah. And, the, and in the springtime, um, it's surprising. My next door neighbor whose lawn is just adjacent, um, he kept asking me why I'm running around my lawn. <laughs> I told him what I was doing. He said I was crazy. The next year, damn, it looked like a, it looked like he, he had a bad problem. <laughs> you, you, you sent him all to his house. Good job, Peter. Well, well they don't they don't come they don't they just don't come yeah. out your lawn. No, no, that makes sense, and that's what I meant about cutting the grass lower too, right? They just yep. they don't like it. Okay, I got to go, Peter. Okay, Thank then. you so much. Appreciate it. Bye. 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 All right, and we're going to get our garden on right here next week on 770 CHQR.